Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. The Telegraph Total Football Podcast. In association with Line Trust. Specialist fund managers. Hi there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to Total Football. The dream is over for England for another four years, so long as the dream didn't involve an utterly pointless third-place playoff. On today's episode, we perform a reluctant autopsy on Croatia's extra-time victory over England. How did it go sour after such a promising start? Why did England fall short? And what next for Gareth Southgate and his waistcoat of sadness? We'll head to Russia to speak to Sam Wallace, who was in the Luzhniki Stadium to see the end of England's run at this tournament. He'll tell us what he made of it from the press seats. Plus, a reluctant admission that there's more to this tournament than England. We're going to examine France, who will face Croatia in the final on Sunday in a match which will prompt exactly zero pint glasses thrown into the air in Croydon food courts. First back here in the Telegraph's audio recording facility, I'm joined by former England defender and Telegraph sport columnist Jamie Carragher. Jamie, how was it for you? It was a, it was a tough game to watch. Probably, it was one of those games that you watch that you feel, actually feel like you're playing in some ways at the end of the game. You're sort of emotionally involved in the game and the start of the second half, the first 15 minutes, I feared for England. Not necessarily that they were going to lose the game, that they certainly weren't going to win in 19 minutes. It just felt, without creating too many chances, Croatia were just getting control of that game. And it was just sort of, we couldn't get control ourselves. It was just non-stop and Modric just keeping the ball, crosses coming in the box and... They crossed the ball a lot, Croatia, throughout the game because they had space in, in the wide areas. But with three centre-backs, you normally feel like you'd be OK with that. But they continually crossed it, even with just one striker, Mandzukic. And we dealt with it, but one cross comes in and they get that equalising goal. And I don't think I ever felt England were going to win the game. And the best thing was to hope for was to try and take it to penalties. It seemed to me that England lost the middle of the pitch in the second half. What were they lacking in midfield? They lacked... Luka Modric, they lack someone who can control a game of football. That is not a criticism of the England midfield players because we knew that when the squad was picked, England lacked a player like that. So they went at it a different way where they put a lot of energy in the team. They had midfield runners in Lingard and Ali and, and Sterling really was a little bit ahead of them. But that was the way England were going to try and win that game, outrun Croatia. I mean, a lot was made of England going to be physically too much for Croatia. The fact they'd played extra time once more than us. We were the younger, fitter team with energy and it just didn't play out with that class told in the end. I don't think Croatia created too many chances. Yes, they had a great one with Perisic at 1-1 when he hit the post, but 
they control the game. And I think eventually that told and he just ran out of steam and ran out of legs. Was there anything obvious that Croatia changed at uh, halftime? It did just seem like, a, seem like a very different game after the break. I don't think so. I mean, you're on social media, you watch the TV, you see what people are saying at halftime and everyone's saying how well England had done. I still felt Croatia had a lot of control in that first half and that was a little bit of a worry for me because once they'd got control of the first half, yes, we'd scored the early goal and sometimes when you get an early goal, for some reason, the opposition think, OK, we've got nothing to lose, we'll get on the ball. When you've scored the goal, you sit back a little touch. It just, these things happen in football. And I don't think we ever had a spell where we had them on the ropes in terms of keeping the ball, the ball coming out, picking up the second ball. Yes, we had a massive chance with Harry Kane. That, I think, is the defining moment of the game. And, of course, we had chances in that first half. So I'm not saying England didn't play poorly. But you could see Modric, Rakitic, the midfield, the switching of play from Croatia, even in that first half. And they were getting to wide areas, putting crosses in without causing any danger. But they were controlling the game from midfield. And you felt this isn't going to change in the second half. So I wasn't as optimistic, I think, as maybe other people were at halftime with England. Because I just felt it was only going to go one way second half in terms of control. Doesn't mean that Croatia were going to get back into the game or England couldn't have scored on the counter-attack but it seemed very early on that it was all about the counter-attack for England. A lot of the second half it felt like it was all going down the right for Croatia with the, with the fullback Vrzalko. Um Could England have done anything to limit his influence on the game? Well I was thinking could you bring Danny, Danny Rose on a little bit earlier? Could you maybe have changed this, tweaked the system slightly? England throughout this tournament have basically played with two strikers in Kane and Sterling and three midfield players really and two offensive ones in Ali and Lingard and against that system you've got to switch the play and it's a difficult one because you don't have you don't have a wide player so Ashley Young was getting pinned back and Trippier by their wingers and their fullbacks just come into the game could you actually go to a former midfield maybe and fill that space so someone can engage with the, the fullbacks a little bit earlier more head on rather than actually coming across that could have been something to to look at Certainly not before the game, but maybe at times in that second half, could we have just switched it maybe before that goal? But listen, that's that, that's with hindsight. Gareth Southgate has really got anything wrong within this tournament. And England were causing them problems on the break with Sterling first half, but eventually that petered out. And that was a massive problem. Either side of our central midfield players, that space. And that's eventually where the, the goal was created from. Did you think the subs were right in the game, Jamie, for England? Yes, I wouldn't say, say say they were wrong. It was just more, could the actual players within the pitch maybe have tweaked it, maybe even put Sterling wide rather than up against, uh, up alongside uh, Harry Kane to maybe stop uh, the fullback. Uh, it, it was a big player for Croatia. I think he plays for Atletico Madrid. It was a big thing that he was fit tonight. Uh, there was talk that he wasn't be fit. And I think he played a major role, obviously, in the Croatia win. But could you have maybe dropped Sterling back a little bit deeper maybe for 10, 15 minutes, weather a little bit of a storm, put him maybe on the left, uh, maybe Lingard to the right. So you actually go to a four-man midfield and you block the spaces with that back five behind you because the only space was there for Croatia was either side of the midfield players and that's where Modric and Rakitic kept finding themselves. England ended up looking quite careless in possession and leaning on the long ball a little bit. How do you explain getting into those sorts of bad habits which we haven't really seen otherwise from England in this tournament? I don't think it's so much bad habits. I just don't think we have those type of players right now in this country. We're not producing them. People who can can take the ball under pressure, can receive a pass when there's a man on them. That's what Modric can do. 
when Modric looks in trouble, he he does a little movement, gets out of, of trouble. We don't have those type of players. Now, we've dictated games, every game besides tonight. But let's be totally honest about it. We've played against, at times, poor opposition and other times, average opposition. We can't hide that fact. And they've sat back deep and sort of waited for England to, to open them up and not really put too much pressure on England in terms of possession. So, yes, we've loved the fact we played with three at the back. Stones coming out with the ball, Maguire coming out with the ball. We've loved to see these things. But it's totally different when you're playing against the side who also want to want to have the ball and control possession. And the one thing we've felt all tournament that we don't have enough creativity within the team. I think we had one shot on target tonight. That's not enough in a semi-final. Certainly against Croatia. It's not Brazil. I thought Croatia played really well. I think their story is magnificent. But we don't produce those type of plays right now. And that was the problem. It's not a criticism of England's midfield. The runners, they're not those type of players. And we just didn't have anyone to put the foot on the ball and take the sting out of the game. Something that surprised me watching it was we heard a lot in the build-up about how Croatia would be feeling the effects of two games going to extra time before this one. Why didn't they look tired? Why did England look more tired than Croatia for uh, for the latter stages? Is that a momentum thing? I, I tweeted that. I said, when are Croatia going to tire? I'm not, I'm not plagiarising you, Jamie, I promise. <laughs> but... That was the talk before the game. I think it was a little bit overplayed because I think basically we've just played half an hour more than them or they've played half an hour more than us in this competition, really. So I think there was too much. And I think the fact was maybe the, the age of their players compared to ours. But then you can look at maybe the experience those players have. And certainly a lot of those players have played, won Champions League, played in Champions League finals. So I think that experience and extra quality in midfield, it felt like England were chasing the ball for an awful long time. In that, in that second half and I think that eventually told really and maybe also the fact that England have, have had it all their own way throughout this tournament in terms of dominating the opposition being in control of possession it was the flip side tonight so it was a totally different game that these players weren't used to over the last two or three weeks and maybe that affected them as well mentally Something my father has passed on to me watching QPR is he doesn't like it if QPR score too early. He says it's, it's, it's a bad omen. The, the players ever feel like that as well? Is there something wrong with scoring so early into a game before it's found its shape? Does it put pressure on the, you know, the rest of the game becomes about holding that lead? Maybe. Maybe there's some people say that, but I think if, if anyone gives you the option of, of scoring or conceding early in the game, you'd always take scoring early in the game. And even though I said Croatia at times looked like they were controlling the game in the first half, and it was a slight worry for me for that in terms of going forward into the second half, England's way looking very dangerous with Raheem Sterling on the break. And it just looked as if England needed to get that second goal and kill her off in the first half. Second half, the counter-attack went completely out of England's game and Croatia continued controlling the game and just England just couldn't stop it. Was that Sterling tiring mainly, do you think, his, his reduced threat in the second half? Yes, maybe, but I, would, I wouldn't criticise Sterling. He's had a lot of criticism in this tournament. And I, th- I think tonight, certainly in the first half, he was England's best player by a long way. The problems he was causing, pushing Croatia back, getting us throw-ins high up the pitch by those runs. But really... Let's not forget, England have been built in this competition on talking about possession, coming up with the ball from the back, controlling the game. That control went really in that first half. We just, when we come up against the first real top-class opposition, we just couldn't match them really, possession-wise, and from controlling that first half. Yes, we knew we'd have the legs on them in terms of pace running behind, and that was that was evident in the first half, but that seemed to go away. Maybe it was tiredness from still, and it is the end of a season, it is... So what the sixth, seventh game of of a tournament he's played almost started every game, always uh, finished most games also. So maybe there was something in that. 
Harry Kane, of course, had two wonderful chances in quick succession to add a second for England. We've seen enough from him to suggest he's one of the very best strikers in the world at this point. Even the best players have those sorts of minor errors in them because they weren't sort of awful misses. They were very, very close. Or do we take this as a little bit of evidence that he's actually still got a bit of a way to come in his development? Listen, all, all strikers will will miss chances at different times. And I think he'd be most disappointed. I think Harry Kane would probably be disappointed with the two, the, the two of them. I mean, the second one, I couldn't believe it didn't, he didn't put it in. I mean, the first one that happens, the keeper reads where he's going to put it, dives. But I could not believe it. I don't think Harry Kane will be able to believe that he couldn't put the, the second one away. It just felt like it was a, the simple task of, of tapping it in. But Harry Kane, knowing the player he is and the man he is, I think he'd be, he'd be, he'd be bitterly disappointed he hasn't finished that off there because that is the defining moment of the game. I think if you go into the lead at 2-0 at half-time, I think that's it's virtually impossible for Croatia to come back. I keep talking about the control and the players they have in midfield, but they weren't creating massive chances throughout the game, really. So I think at 1-0, they're still alive, they're still in the game. I think 2-0 really kills them at half-time. Kane's had a bit of a strange tournament, really. I mean, it looks like he may well win the Golden Boot, but he hasn't done an awful lot since the Columbia game. There's a game which stirs the emotion as much as that one did, take it out of uh, a player sometimes. Harry Kane looked tired to me. He doesn't rely massively on pace, so he's not you know, that type of player. I think I saw a few signs really in the Sweden game, even though it was a slow game. He didn't look his normal self. I think he was really good against Colombia. Yes, he scored goals against, you may say, inferior opposition, but he took big penalties and that was big pressure moments at certain times with them as well. That showed his nerve. But sometimes that happens. And let's not forget, he's been feeding on scraps in this whole tournament. We've spoken throughout the tournament that England very rarely looks look like scoring a goal from open play. Yes, he's missed a have a huge chance and maybe even a more than a half chance second half of the header from the set piece and yes he'd be bitterly disappointed but I don't think you can t- uh, be too disappointed with your centre forward if he goes on with the golden boot which looks like his uh, is going to be his to take home yeah absolutely not what about the goals that Croatia scored I thought there was a lot to admire about what the back three did in the first half, but the errors seemed to creep in a little bit in the second. I mean, Stones just lost Mandzukic didn't he really for the decisive goal do you put much blame on Walker for the first Croatian goal? Yes, his his awareness wasn't quite great. He was he was found wanting in the first game with a, a cross against Tunisia, slightly different sort of scenario where he handballed. But again, he he was he looked ill at ease with with crosses coming in. But people will say, well, okay, he's not a centre back. But when you play right centre back in a three, it's not too dissimilar to the position you take up as a, as a right back tucking round at the far post. So I don't think it's got nothing to do with the decision of. Gareth Southgate playing as a right centre-back because I thought at times in the second half his pace was vital in in stopping uh, Croatia at times and and he gives you an extra bit of burst of pace that other centre-backs don't have and he can defend really well in wide areas. But the crosses that come in, people may say, maybe a a more conventional centre-back like a Gary Cale will have dealt with those better. And that may be the case, but I I don't think it's too dissimilar to right-back positions uh, where he was. So I don't think he's got too much to do with that. I just think he has a tendency throughout his career to switch off slightly defensively. I think we saw that in one other game where he was a bit sloppy with a back pass, maybe in the Columbia game, that he got away with also. And that's just been the nature of his game. But I'm, I'm a huge Kyle Walker fan. I think he's a great fullback for the Premier League and the energy that he gives you. And I actually think it was a, a, a good decision from Southgate and, and something a little bit different to play him 
at centre back because he gives you something a lot of players don't have, and that's just that raw pace at centre back. Yeah, plenty more to come, you would hope, from Carl Walker. Looking ahead to Saturday, England must now contest the least desirable game on earth, the third place playoff against Belgium. Do you think they're going to care about that game, Jamie? Is it is it going to be a motivator for them to beat Belgium? To be honest, I think Gareth Southgate, looking at what he did in the first Belgium game, I think he'll give a lot of the lads who've, who've been here for the full month of game and play them. I think he may try and keep Harry Kane in, because I mean, Kane will be desperate the golden boot, maybe to try and get him a goal. But I think in the main, it'll be a similar sort of team that actually played against Belgium. I'm not sure how Roberto Martin has all treat the game, but I, I, I'd have no problem with that. I think whether you finish third or fourth or doesn't make too much difference. In, in fact, to be honest, I don't even understand why we have a third and fourth playoff, really. I mean, if I was a club manager, I'd be with my players home and, and having one extra game or being away for another four or five days and, and training or whatever they do. I don't know. I don't really see there's too much importance on the game. I think most players and even the management staff would prefer the, the players they get home and start recuperating for the clubs. How long do you think it will take England to get over this defeat and start feeling proud about how they've performed at this tournament? England, I don't think have ever had a better chance to win a major tournament. And they may not get another one like that 30, 40 years. I, I do, maybe sorry to, to say that in some ways, but I really do believe that. I mean, the opposition England played in this in this World Cup, a lot of people threw that at England. That's not England's problem. You know, the World Cup's a cup competition. You play what's in front of you. But it did open up for England. And even playing a quality team like Croatia tonight, who were a lot better than I think a lot of people thought, it's still a game that you think Croatia semi-final of the World Cup, it's a game you have to win. And you look at it like that. And I just, I do look at it going forward and people can talk about this tournament being the springboard to future success. That may be the case, but you just do feel how often England will get a chance like that because so often when you get to last 16 quarterfinals, you play top-class opposition. And the first top class when England played, we were found wanting a little bit in, in the control of the game. Yes, England will be disappointed tonight, but supporters just wanted to be proud of the England team again. And, and that's what they've done, going out to pubs, clubs, seeing the scenes around the country, people celebrating England games, looking forward to going to watch England games. That's what they've given the country. But I think these players will look back in 10, 15 years' time and think, what an opportunity we had to create history that, you know, they become immortal, really. Let's end on a high, Jamie. What will be your abiding happy memory of watching England at this tournament? The players celebrating goals. It's a long time since I've seen that where the actual substitutes get involved. Every player celebrates. It's Team England. That's what I think Gareth has got to keep going forward. Now, that's what it feels like. I've said that all along watching it. It feels like Club England from St. George's Park, Dan Ashworth, the young teams who've won trophies. I'm watching these players coming together now. I've always felt that was the most difficult thing how would you make the international team feel like a club team? And I think that's what Gareth Southgate and these lads have, have done brilliantly in this tournament. And I think that will continue because they'll have the memories of these, the great moments they've had, the moments they've shared privately that we don't know about. That can take them forward. But there's still, you look at it and you just think we just need to add that little bit of quality again if we're in that position again against a top nation. Good stuff, Jamie. We go again. We do. Sam Wallace, our chief football writer, joins us now from Moscow. Just over two years ago, Sam, you and I met very downbeat in Nice the morning after England versus Iceland. I'd been in the fan zone watching it. You were at the game. And you said something weird comes over good players when they're representing England. The shirt gets heavy and it goes to their heads and they lose it. That's very much not been the case at this tournament. But did you see any of those old mental frailties rear their head in this game? 
Hi, Tom. I have to say that if there were frailties, then perhaps it was the failure to take those chances, especially the ones that fell to Kane and Lingard in the first half. I felt that Croatia was going to have a period of the game in which they were on top and creating chances of their own. And If it had been two or even three nil at half-time, I know that's sort of wishful thinking, then, then perhaps things could have been different. Was there a moment in the game before the deciding goal where you felt it wasn't going to be England's night? I think Croatia came back into the game quite gradually. I thought England dealt with Modric uh, pretty comfortably. Just at the end of the first half, Croatia started creating chances and it just came out in the second half with, I felt, with nothing to lose really and they were positive. I'll go back to that Kane chance where he ran about 27 minutes. He had, had a couple of goes at it and hit the post a second time and if that had gone in, and I think really the um, dynamic of the game changes totally and um, can afford to, if not relax, then they can certainly, the scale of the task facing Croatia is quite daunting. Uh, but they never got to that stage. What about the support in the Luzniki Stadium, Sam? Did uh, the, the extra England support from fans who travelled make much of a difference, do you think? For the first time, really, it felt like a t- more typical England tournament game. I mean, I've been at Euro 2004 where they've, the England fans have pretty much taken over stadiums. It's really um, not been like that in Russia for lots of different reasons that we've discussed before. There was a suggestion there were 10,000 in this stadium, in the stadium in uh, Luzhniki. I thought that was probably about right. And certainly both sets of fans were outnumbered by the Russians who as you could probably hear, booed Vida, the Croatian defender, quite a lot. As to whether it made any difference, I think England got quite used to the fact that they're, they're not playing in front of many supporters. I don't think it had much of an effect. And this must have felt like such a weird game to cover. Uh, what was the mood like in the press box, Sam, amongst Her Majesty's media? Did everyone keep their heads or did the occasion get to some of you? I have to say, just um, as a reporter and a, and a football fan, I thought it was a really absorbing evening. I mean, these are the games that we'll, we'll watch them over again in the next few days and there's lots of details I'm sure that we will have um, forgotten. I mean, there was a great performance in the second half from an extra time from Modric and from Perisic as well. But no, I think uh, it was one of those games where there wasn't really a, a really sort of divisive refereeing incident. There wasn't a... Um, bad foul it, it just slipped from England's grasp for, for lots of different reasons and by the end it felt like the better team had won it but England had that chance they had that period of the game where they could have um, they could have killed it and they didn't didn't take that good stuff Sam bring home that third place trophy with you I'll do my best Tom the Telegraph Total Football Podcast in association with Lion Trust specialist investors who help you head towards your financial goals Independent thinkers who have the courage of their convictions to make investment decisions. Remember, investments can fall as well as rise. King of the Aeroflot loyalty scheme, James Ducker, is with us now. James, your epic tour of Russia took you to St. Petersburg on Tuesday for France versus Belgium, the first semi-final. France came out 1-0 winners against a team that knocked out Brazil. They looked a cut above for me, James. Is that accurate? They have to be favourites for the final. Yes, I would entirely agree with that. I thought I thought Belgium did really well for the sort of first half an hour, but I think it was absolutely vital that they scored in that period of time. I mean, they did, they did that against Brazil. They started with a bang, got the goal, and I mean, if they'd done that against France, it'd have been a very different 
game. But the sort of longer it went on, France sort of just had them sort of at bay, really controlled exactly where they were. Uh, I thought Deschamps got his tactics bang on. I think when you've got a, particularly when you've got players like uh, Mbappe and Griezmann, you can be so effective on the counter attack, and and they were. And I think. I think the things that Belgium did really well in the first half, like Hazard trying to target Benjamin Pavard, the, the France right-back, um, they stopped doing. And I think the things that they were having some success with, they changed and it, and it really sort of petered out sort of quite desperately, I thought, in the second half for uh, Belgium. I don't think it was a bad performance by any, any stretch of the imagination, but I just think it was very classy, very controlled from France, and I think they looked very strong in all departments. Um, obviously, it up front in the field, but the defence were outstanding as well. Another amazing evening for Mbappe. What was your personal favourite moment from this game from Kylian Mbappe? Fast looking, the the air to Ronaldo and Messi. <laughs> yeah, I mean there was there was I mean there was that lovely moment where I think he received a pass from Griezmann, sort of rolled the ball with his right foot onto his left and back heeled it into the path of Giroud, and I think a player with a bit more pace would uh, certainly got his shot off and maybe even scored. But I think the the, the moment I really liked him, one that I wrote about, was in the sort of first half. I think it was sort of about forty minutes in or so. There was a point where he picked up the ball and he literally had four um, Belgium defenders sort of coming at him. And uh, he sort of, they were all fixated on him and sort of drawn by him to the extent where they failed to recognise Pavard sort of running in behind Witzel and Mbappe just scooped a lovely pass in, in between them for uh, for Pavard to shoot, to, to shoot in court where I made an excellent save. And I sort of, for me, bore some similarities to Diego the Diego Maradona moment where there's that famous picture from the 82 World Cup where... Maradona is sort of hovering with his left foot over the ball, and the six Belgium defenders in front of him all all um, looking startled and quite terrified. I have to say, James, I was really pleased to see in your piece that you you debunked the myth slightly about that picture. Though it's uh, yeah, check out James Ducker's piece on the Telegraph website if you if you're not aware of that myth. Mbappe obviously has had loads of applauds for France. Who who's been the unsung hero of this France team? They have defended exceptionally well in this tournament. I mean, I think that sort of pivot of Kante, sort of the base of midfield, doing the job of two two men in midfield, and um, Varane and TT have been excellent. I think Hugo Lloris has made some big saves and had an excellent tournament as well. That the sort of base of the spine is incredibly strong. Varane, uh, I think we've all, all known of his quality for a long time, but obviously injuries have played a part. But he he is. He's been, I think, probably the outstanding defender at this at this tournament, and they they look pretty. Not impregnable at the back, but they've got a really, really, you know, they've got a really, really strong base with which to work. And Kante's having his form in this tournament has been very much like it was for Leicester in the title winning season in Chelsea and his first title winning season there. And I think the the big thing is he's probably really liberated Paul Pogba, who has shown far more discipline, I think, than he did at any point really last season for Man United playing in midfield too. So I think they're an excellent side and I think it'd be really, really interesting to see uh, the sort of two midfields of Croatia and France up against each other. What do Croatia need to do to get at France and, and have a chance in the final? I think they need to score first. I think that's absolutely crucial. I think I think if France get in front, they're going to be a very, very difficult team to sort of um, get back at. My concern for Croatia is is the sort of legs now. That, you know, tonight it's gone to extra time again against England. It's not a young team. I mean, tw- eight of the... 11 who started tonight at 29 or older, they are full of experience and, and know-how and, and all of that. But 
I thought they looked very leggy and weary for the first half an hour against England tonight, and they found they found a way. They found a way, and they were excellent after half time. But whether whether adrenaline and sort of that desire and determination is enough to sort of carry them through against France, I'm not so sure. I think they're a team that you you do need to be sharp and fit and, and brisk against. Finally, James, must ask for an update. How many flights so far in total for you this tournament? Twenty-two, Tom. Congratulations. 22. I think it's a sterling effort, don't you? Yeah, very much so. One more for the yeah. Nick Pope, oh, the third know, goalkeeper. You know, yeah, you know what I won't miss? Aeroflot sandwiches. <laughs> a lot of cabbage. Very, I, could, I could bring you one back <laughs> and have it for three weeks and it would still taste, it would still taste the same as it does, supposedly fresh. Look forward to that, James, and look forward to seeing you. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, cheers Tom. That's all for this, the penultimate episode of the Total Football season. But we will be back with you one more time on Sunday night, following conclusion of the World Cup final, just in time for your Monday morning commute one more time this season. Contact me on Twitter before then, if you like. It's at Tom with an H Gibbs. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Search for Total Football on Apple Podcasts or some other podcasty place. Our theme tune is by Polvo. Head to MergeRecords.com to buy their back catalogue. Thanks to Abby Patterson on the buttons and thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon. The Telegraph Total Football Podcast in association with Lion Trust. Specialist fund managers. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.